Jesus, you said that anything is possible to him that believes. We believe in your word. We believe in your mighty power. We believe in the demonstrations and manifestations of the spirit of the living God. Speak to our lives your rhema word. That word by which you uphold all things. And let the word, Father, proceed to alter the financial destiny of your people. In this wealth convention, we invoke the grace for tremendous wealth and prosperity. For it is you who has said that my city shall spread abroad through prosperity. And that you will give us the treasures of darkness and the hidden wealth in the secret place. Is it not so that you may establish your covenant that you said that you will give us power to get wealth? We open our ears to insights from the spirit of God. Give us wisdom, impart wisdom that is totally undeniable and unresistible that will cause us to walk upon the highways of this earth. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for hosting us in these next four days. So we just want to worship you and give you all the glory and give you all the praise. Lord, I stand in awe of your presence. I stand in awe of your We your people, Lord, we have gathered here with one accord to give you all the praise. You're the king of the nations, ruler of the earth, the most high one. We worship you. Oh, you're so worthy, Jesus. Ah, you're so worthy, Jesus.
Nothing compares to 
ago the Lord took me in the visions of the spirit and began to show me how Satan hinders the progress or the advancement of the church in the earth. And he says his major weapon against the body of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And the spirit of God showed me how he brings ministers, Christians, churches, ministries into poverty. And many people do not understand what poverty is. The best thing that can define poverty is the limitation itself to the fulfillment of this. And the Lord told me that to destroy the spirit of poverty, to uproot it, it has to be the same way that it came in the first place. Words institutionalize poverty. Only words can eradicate it. And he said, bring this word by having annual wealth conferences. What the Holy Spirit is trying to do through this conference with your life is to address, confront the main hindrance to the achievement of every objective and goal in life by lifting your spirit through the understanding of his word to give you 
an advantage in his kingdom. Wealth is an advantage. The Bible says that money is a defense. As wisdom is a defense. So wealth, prosperity, within the context of the kingdom should be one of the most taught subjects in the body of Christ. And I endeavor to provide you with the understanding that the Holy Spirit has helped me throughout the years with regards to it. So pay attention. Hold on to every single word. Your life, your financial life depends on Several things will take place during the course of this conference that will change your life if you will allow it. God uses information to bless us. Information, accurate information is the pillar of all blessings. How we work out the blessings of God in our lives depend entirely on how much of that accurate information is not only assimilated, understood, but worked out. You all know the scripture that says, my people perish because they lack knowledge. And knowledge is what you need. And when we talk about the subject of wealth, finances, uh, prosperity, you, you've got to filter it or receive it or understand it through kingdom context. You are a Christian. You are a Christian. And as a Christian, you belong. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Unless he is born again. Your birth into Christ gave you access into that kingdom. And by birthright, by inheritance, by inheritance, everything in that kingdom belongs to you. It is yours. It is yours. So a Christian must learn how to function as one who belongs to the kingdom of God. The Bible says we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that is immovable. The power of that kingdom, the dominion of that kingdom, the Bible says is from everlasting to everlasting. It says that God in the visions that he showed Nicodemus 
how that a stone was cut out. And that stone went to proceed and destroy all other kingdom and crush them in powder. And he said, that kingdom, that kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So we must understand how God wants us to think as it relates to this matter. So, bless you, son. Peter, third uh, John, third John, <coughs> chapter number one. that we must encounter so let's lay some foundations tonight okay third john chapter is only one chapter uh, third john two <laughs> i'm sure if i had said chapter three i would have heard some pages there third john chapter one two are you there let's read it that we not only encounter truth but we walk in truth because truth is the liberation of man you are not liberated until you encounter truth you are not free until you encounter truth the truth about life the truth about living the truth about wealth the truth about God the truth about being in Christ he says I I I decided all my children walk in truth walk in truth walk in truth hallelujah so our freedom our emancipation lies in the truth that we ought to discover and walk in. So there is a truth, a reality about wealth and prosperity that exists within the mind of God for all his people that we must fully discover and understand in order for us to walk in it. Because except we understand the reality, <laughs> about what God thinks with regards to wealth, we will always fail. 
we will always fail in apprehending it, in understanding it, and in experiencing that reality. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. Hallelujah. So, let's get into it, right? So is it prayer to prosper in all things, even if the soul prospers, right? Okay. It's fine. Let's leave that. All right. Where, where can I start this? See, I know where I'm going to end with this, right? But I'm having a a slight challenge as to where I should start this. Revelations. Chapter number. Seventeen. We'll start there. I don't know what we'll find there, but we will start there. <laughs> uh, amen. Seventeen, you there? Amen. Then one of the seven angels, verse one, who had the seven bowls, came and talked with me, saying to me, "Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication." So he carried me away. In the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and was adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations. And the filthiness of our fornication, and on her forehead a name was written: Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of all harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk. With the blood of the saints, and with the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I marvelled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, "Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery." So what John was seeing was actually a mystery. The angel had unveiled to John a mystery, and that mystery that John saw. Was a woman arrayed in purple with gold. She was arrayed with wealth, and she was sitting on a beast. A beast, a dragon with horns and heads. 
and he said that woman interacted with the nations of the earth and the nations of the earth committed fornication in other words there was union between this woman and these nations the Bible says the kings of the earth and he says on her name was written mystery Babylon the great the mother of hal- what a harlot prostitutes right harlot is a prostitute a prostitute is a is a sex worker right she sells her body in order to receive mm. Mm. <laughs> mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth now listen to what the angel now begins to say but the angel said to me what do you marvel i tell you a mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her look at it this this woman is carried by a beast she's riding the beast in her interactions with the nations of the earth the beast is what is carrying her and the name of that woman is babylon the, this is babylon the great that's the name of the woman babylon the great babylon the great and this is a mystery that is in the spirit they exist a physical babylon but what john was being shown was something in the spirit called babylon and babylon was personified by a woman arrayed with purple and gold in other words she was royalty she possessed substance stature and she had wine she had a cup and says in that cup was the blood of the saints and he says and the peoples were drunk with the with the wine of her fornication question is have you drank of her wine the wine that makes men drunk the wine that intoxicates the nations babylon the great the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth it tells you every abomination on earth is orchestrated by this spirit called babylon every abomination you can think of drug trafficking sex trafficking human trafficking uh, homosexuality every single abomination you can think of it is orchestrated by this woman called babylon So we see something here that the woman that rides the beast is actually controlled by the beast. 
She does not control the beast, the dragon. This is where the severity of the world comes into play. What is Babylon? We see who he is or who she is, but what is Babylon? Let's read. <laughs> but the angel said to me, verse 7, the beast has carried with has the, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend of the bottomless pit and go to Betisha. Mm. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. <coughs> Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Here. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Hmm. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other one has not yet come. When he comes, he must continue a short time. What is he talking about? He's talking about the administration of kingdoms. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seventh and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is the lord of lords and king of kings and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Hallelujah. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. Verse 18, and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. <laughs> that woman which you saw, he says, is that great city which rules over all the kingdoms of the earth. <coughs> So Babylon is a system. Babylon is a system. And it is a system that is involved in all the affairs. Not only involved, but controls all the politi political systems, economic systems, social systems of man. She sits on the seven mountains and she is that great city. So the woman is a city. And the name of that city in the spirit is called Babylon. So Babylon is involved in fornicating 
with the nations, with peoples, with tongues. Now this makes sense when the Bible says, and we know that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So we understand that behind every kingdom, behind every government, here on earth is the woman, Babylon. So Babylon is the spirit behind every known kingdom on earth. She is the one that manipulates, controls, facilitates, dictates, and influences the outcomes that take place here on earth. And notice, that woman had all gold. She is responsible for the riches of every single business company on earth that is not under God. Babylon. This is the most powerful system on earth. She has the strength of the beast. Notice the beast. The angel said, was referring to a man who was and is not and shall be. So this system rides upon that great beast. I don't have time to go into the seven mountains and all those things, right? <coughs> but she sits on the seven mountains. That refers both to the literal seven mountains and also the figurative seven mountains. There are seven mountains or seven main uh, main powers or influences here on earth. No, as media, as education, and all those other things. And he says, behind it is the beast and the woman. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to really understand where we are. So as not to fool ourselves by what we see in this world. So as not to define or characterize wealth, prosperity and all those by the set standards of this world. Chapter 18. I want to show you the nature of Babylon. For all the nations, verse 3. For all, for all, huh? for for all the nations, <laughs> yeah? some, all, for all the nations have 
drunk. Mm. Of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now you see something. Huh? Let's read verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her body standing at a distance for fear of torment saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment will come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of the most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble and cinnamon and incense and franken, uh, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, bodies and the souls of man. Bodies and the souls of man. The fruit that your soul has longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at the distance and feel torment, weeping and wailing. For that great city would have fallen. But notice something strange. He says, every nation of earth has benefited from her. Every nation on earth has <coughs> went to bed with her. Every nation on earth has transacted with her, has trafficked with her. Now the Bible can lie. The Bible is truth. This tells you that there is no ruler on earth who has, who does not have insight into this woman called Babylon. Every king on earth was introduced to her. It may not have been directly, but they have. Because he says, the mer every merchandise you can think of, every form of business you can think of, he says, it has its origin from that city. That city. From that city. Now, it is a literal city that exists, yes. But the, the, the reference here is the spiritual system, kingdom. Of Babylon. Babylon controls every single thing. That means Babylon is, is involved in influencing events, political events, economic events that take place in the earth. Remember something that Satan said to Jesus that all these are mine. 
to whomever I will. And he said, when the Bible was prophesying to Satan, Ezekiel, he said, by the multitude of your train, by the multitude of your traffic, iniquity was found in your heart and violence in your members. So, the thing that caused Satan to fall is the thing that is con- he is continuing to do. Trafficking. Trading. That's what he wanted from Jesus, right? I'll give you wealth if you trade your worship. So now, he doesn't do it directly. He does it through Babylon. He does it through the system which he has institutionalized. For us to really understand what Babylon and who Babylon really is, we must go back in time in Genesis where the first mention of this city was mentioned. The Bible tells us that Noah's grandson, great-grandson, the son of Canaan, Nimrod, rose up in the greatest rebellion that was ever seen at that time. And Nimrod began to rule over man. As they traveled, they came to a place called the land or the plain of Shina. Shina was a plain in Mesopotamia, present-day Iraq. And from that place, because the people were of one language, they said, let us build a tower that reaches to the heavens. It was a direct rebellion against God. They said, come, let us build a great tower so that the flood, they were doing that because of the flood. Hmm. They thought they could build a tower because, notice, the Bible details how the tower was built. The Bible said they, they used brick and mortar. The reason why they used brick and mortar was so that because of the mortar, the water could not penetrate if they come because of the strength of mortar. And to show that the tower that they commenced to build really, really was a formidable tower, it got the attention of Almighty God. These people were serious. They were in full rebellion against God. The first time we see or we find the mention of governance is right there. Nimrod was the first king. And the first king was one who institutionalized a government, a system that rebelled against God. He, he, Cain did not build or did not become king. He only built a city. 
that had no representation of God in it. But Nimrod took it a further, a step further. He, he erected a kingdom, a government, a system, and its characteristics was rebellious against God. These were men who, who made themselves gods. The Bible says that Nimrod was a mighty man before the Lord. You see, our translation doesn't really uh, 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 give the correct picture of what that really means. It means he was mighty against the Lord. So they commenced to build. They built and built and built and built and built and built and built babylon had not yet been named and built and built and built finally god's the bosses came down to see if something strange about the operations of god he did not stop them when they began to build it he came down and the Bible says, he said, this thing that the people have determined to do, nothing, nothing, nothing shall be impossible for them, for they have one mind. Then he said, let us scatter their language, so that they will not understand each other, and the building project will end. Ah. Was God threatened? And if so, was he threatened about, or was he threatened of the man, or something else? Remember, God is a spirit. And these that began to be were aided by spirits. They did not just be. God said, let's get it. The Bible says he confused them. And there he called the name of that place Babel. Meaning confusion. And the first time we see Babylon. scattering their plans. So the physical Babylon was halted, was stopped, was paused. But the spiritual Babylon continued on. Because years later, we find Babylon, a mighty kingdom that God used. You, you know what? In prophecy, what God said, He says, Babylon, I have employed Babylon that he might teach my people a lesson. <coughs> In prophecy again, when Daniel was interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar, he said, the Lord God has given you a kingdom. Lord God given you a kingdom. The name of that kingdom was called Babylon. What was the assignment of Babylon? It was to take Israel out of the promised land. 
And did he succeed? Yes, he succeeded. Not only in taking Israel out of the promised land, but the Bible says something. They, they took of the treasuries of the Lord. The wealth of the nation was Babylon. Conqueror of nations, of kingdoms. And aeons later we see a mystery of the existence of Babylon in the spirit. The one who sits over all nations. Who controls the flow of wealth and prosperity amongst the nations. See, I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't only show us what's happening, but it reveals to us the nature behind what is taking place. So that we do not become deceived by what we see. So Babylon's assignment is to capture the people of God. So when Satan institutionalized the system of Babylon, the spiritual one, the primary assignment was to capture the people of God and their work. Was to capture the people of God and remove them out of the promises of God. Was to capture the people of God and take them out of God's plan purpose for their lives. Only Babylon can do that. Egypt hinders you from accessing, from moving into God's promises. Babylon comes in. It is a more sinister, more powerful, more ruthless system. And it is Babylon today that has captured Christianity. Babylon is in the church. Babylon is controlling the flow of ministries of the body of Christ. Why? Because we live in a world whose power, whose God is money, is money. The church, the Christians do not have the problem of the anointing. The problem in Christianity that exists is that Christianity has been saturated bound, captured by Babylon. But we sing, Jesus is Lord. We sing, we serve God. There is no system on earth that exists that can topple Babylon. Only the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And except 
those who belong to Christ learn how to operate within the kingdom, it is impossible for you alone to conquer the system. This is a system that captures all all nations, all nations that captured by Babylon, all nations, all nations. So the cry of every believer should be, Lord, deliver us from Babylon. Deliver us from the clutches of Babylon. Help us be established in the kingdom. Because except God delivers you from Babylon, you will be a Christian. You will love Jesus, but you will walk around shaken. You will be shaken in fulfilling your destiny shaken. In expressing or manifesting your gifts, your talents, manifesting your heart's desire, you'll be shattered. So God must deploy a system through which to liberate his people. And that system has already been deployed by the Spirit. The problem is that throughout the generation, oh Lord, throughout the years, throughout the generation of the church's existence, Babylon has stealthily set up his trenches, his stronghold within the church that is so difficult for the church to see. It's Babylon that hinders you from hiding. Is Babylon that hinders you from giving? Is Babylon that hinders you from giving offerings to God? Is Babylon? Luke chapter sixteen. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and memory. You you cannot serve God and you cannot serve God and you cannot serve God and you cannot serve God 
and he says it is impossible for you to serve God and money he says money is a master mammon is a master and he says you cannot serve two masters you will either hate the one or love the other you will despise the other or be loyal to the other mammon mammon is a master when you go to work you are not serving god is is a reality that must dawn inside you you are not serving god When you wake up every morning and go work, you're not serving God. You are serving Mammon. It's Mammon that you are serving. And it is the dilemma that certain Satan you he will capture us in. Because the whole system is run by Mammon. The whole world is run by Mammon. How then? Do you receive providence? How then do you do you live? Are you sustained? Oh my goodness! The reward of Mammon is money. The reward of God is His Word. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man must not live by money, by what money can buy, but man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the duty of Mammon, the duty of Babylon, is to blindside you from what is important. Jesus said to Martha, 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 you are concerned about many things, but Mary has chosen the good part, and nothing shall be taken from why she chose to listen to Jesus he says one thing is needful and this is what Mammon has distracted us from the love of money we love it even when we don't want to why because we don't have a choice if I don't go to work I may not have bread to eat ah but there is another system that God has created where you may not have to depend by what Oh Lord, Mammon can provide, but by the very word of Almighty God. This is the excess dimension that every Christian today needs. And except we learn that, except we acquaint ourselves with the system of God's providence, we will always be slaves to Mammon. Because we do not understand the purpose of us being Christians. The purpose of why we have been planted in Christ's kingdom. We go around living aimlessly, thinking that the only objective of life is to get and work for what Mammon can give. Because we are Christians without purpose. Christians without culture, without ideology. Whose lives are dictated by the standards that Mama and Babylon sets for her. The church is lost. The church of Jesus is lost. Because the church of Jesus 
first of all, has no culture. Secondly, apart from us being in Christ, we have no identity. We have not yet decided how we live. And then we say, you are our Lord. Hmm. You are our Lord. You say, he is your owner, but he doesn't own you. You say, he is your ruler, but he doesn't rule you. You are ruled by his system. You are ruled by Babylon. You are ruled by Memor. Your days are dictated by what memory says. Your mind, the thoughts in your mind are controlled by memory. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and memory. So it is important that God does something with every single Christian and with the body of Christ as a whole. It is important that God takes his people away from the system into a place where he can train them and raise them to be a kingdom unto him. Because as long as you are in this world, you will never really capture the reality that this world belongs to you. And that you, as an individual in Christ, are greater than this world. So in us must develop the fight. Jesus said, cheer, for I have conquered this world. I have have conquered this world. And we know that those who believe in Jesus has also overcome this world. <coughs> Matthew 6. He is stealing your time. He is stealing your destiny. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can never serve God and Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. You hear that? Just after telling us that you can't serve two masters, he says, therefore, do not worry about your life. Your first service of memory takes place where? 
new man. It is therefore, do not worry about your life. Now, this is Jesus. The one who said, I am going to die. After three days, I will rise up again. <coughs> do not worry about your life. The thing that will fight Babylon is inside. What you will eat, what you will drink, know about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into bonds. Yet your heavenly yet your heavenly father feeds them. He says, he says, he says, look at the birds. Study the birds. Consider the birds. He says they don't sow. In other words, he's telling you they don't labor for what they eat. They don't labor for where they sleep. They don't labor for what they wear. He says they don't do all of those things, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father feeds them. God doesn't feed you because you work. He feeds you because he is your father. <coughs> he is your father. He is responsible for how oh, you 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 <laughs> how old is God? How old are you? Can you get to a point where God says, you're too old now? You can't. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why? Do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley. How they grow without toiling nor spinning. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? <coughs> or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek. Seek. But seek. But seek, but seek, but seek, but seek, seek, not last, first. Is a law. In this, this, brothers and sisters, is the law of provision, the law of prosperity and wealth. This is the law. Seek. Yes. 
kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, now this is, this is a strange communication. Seek first. Look for it. Demand for it. But where is it? Where is it? Where is it? The kingdom that you are to seek first. To seek first. Look. Chapter 17. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, 17 verse 20, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is, 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 the kingdom of God, hey, yeah, the kingdom of God is, he said it does not come by observation. It's not something outside. He says the kingdom of God is within you. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? He says it's not outside. It's not there or here. He says indeed it is within you. So when he says seek first the kingdom of God, he's not referring to something outside. He's referring to something within you. What is it? What is the, the kingdom of God is the dominion, the reign of God in the human being. Is the rulership, the dominion of God within a human being. It is God reigning inside a man. It is God dictating the pace of man, the direction of man, the life of man. It is God ruling and living out himself for you. That is the kingdom of God. And when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, he was referring to much more than you looking for something. No, the kingdom of God is not abstract. It is a reality of God within you. So Jesus, what are you saying? What are you saying? You cannot serve God and mammon. 
He said, through your service of either one of these masters, you will learn to love the other and hate. No. <laughs> Some of you hate God. You think you love him, but you hate him. You think you love him, but you despise him. Why? Because your affection are given somewhere. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life are not from the Father. For he that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's why Jesus said, if any man seeks to be my disciple, he must what? Forsake all and deny himself. That is the access into discipleship. You are, until you have done that in your life, you are not a disciple of Jesus. You are something else. You are not, a disciple. You are not his follower. And that's why many of us have, have not yet ascended to the plains of the treasures of the kingdom. He told the rich man, go sell all you have and give to the poor. Then you shall have treasure in heaven. His access to the treasures of heaven was if he lost everything. He left everything for Jesus. What have you left for Jesus? No man having left father, mother, brother here in this life shall not receive a hundredfold of the mother's father, houses and riches and persecutions in this life and the next. He that seeks to find his life shall lose it. He that loses it shall find it. To leave you must forsake all. What have you laid down? What have you laid down? What have you laid down? Seek first the kingdom. If you want all this, you see, the reason why many of us have not heard all these things added to us is because we have not yet found the kingdom. We have not yet discovered God's dominion in our lives. The Bible says wisdom is the principle of <laughs> Read Luke chapter 1. Luke. Luke chapter 1. Please read verse 17. It's talking about John here. And he will go before him. Luke chapter 1 verse 17. You there? And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. The word the wisdom of the just is the Greek word phronesis. Phronesis. Phronesis, you know what phronesis means? Phronesis is a mind that loves the will of God. Phronesis is having a mind that loves God. 
And the Bible tells us wisdom is the principal thing. What is the anchor of wisdom? A love for God. Phronesis is the highest form of wisdom. You have many, many shades of wisdom throughout the Bible. But Phronesis is the highest form of wisdom. Because Phronesis is, is a, 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 a mindset that is imparted into you. A mindset of loving God. You cannot serve God and mammon. You will love one and hate the other. What is wisdom? Wisdom is to love God. Mm. Wisdom is to love the will of God. Wisdom is to love the commandments of God. I have loved your law. I have loved your word more than gold and silver. Yay! More than fine gold. Wisdom is the principal thing. And wisdom says, I want to deliver you into your inheritance. It says, I am wisdom. I love truth and justice. It says, that I may, that I may cause them to inherit wealth. Wisdom. What is wisdom? A mind that loves God. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, it was upon the basis of what he said when he said you cannot serve God and mammon. You will love God or you will love mammon. You will hate God or you will hate mammon. But he says if you want to walk in a plane where you can access the kingdom, he says you must develop the wisdom to know what to choose. If you choose God, you must forsake mammon. But don't think that wealth will not follow you if you choose God. came into Christianity and you were never taught how to love God. You came into Christianity and you were never taught what it means to love God. Yet love for God, brothers and sisters, is the power for all wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I think we'll end there tonight. that gives a man strength, Mr. Isaac. The thing that gives a man strength to turn away from his business, to leave his job and follow the voice of God, leave his family and follow the voice of God, is love for the will of God, love for God. When God said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy father's house, out of thy country, and I shall show you the, the place where you should go. And he left without one thought. Why? A love, a love for God that is inquenchable. Seeking first the kingdom of God has to do with discovering God's reign. And you see, God can't rule over you unless He is sure you love Him. Mm-hmm. 
If you love me, keep my commandments. And my Father shall love you and shall manifest himself to you. There is no manifestation of the kingdom of God in our lives without love for Jesus. There is no manifestation of the provisions and the providence of God in our lives without love for Jesus. I'm not talking about standing up for Jesus, brothers and sisters. I'm not talking about confessing or winning souls. I'm not talking about preaching or serving Christ. I'm not talking about your prayer life and how much you fast. I'm not talking about how much you read the Bible. I'm talking about love, the love that is based on sacrifice. That is to love. He told them in Ephesus, I know you have patience. I know you cannot handle those who call themselves apostles, but are not. I know how you persevere for my name. I see your work. I see your faith. But I have this one thing against you. That you left your first love. You left your first love. A man who loves cannot forget. Deuteronomy chapter 6. That is true wisdom. Look at me. That is true wisdom. True wisdom is loving God. The Bible says there is no law against love. The Bible says there is no law. Look at me. The Bible says there is no law against love. <coughs> there is no physical law, spiritual law. That, that is why Jesus could intrude into time. That's why God could die. Because there is no law against love. She says, against such, there is no law. That means love is a greater force. <coughs> so it's not service that will, that will break off the shackles of Babylon from the body of Christ. It's not serving God. It's not prayers. It's love. What Adam did when he fell, when he sinned, was break the law of love, is love. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's how God defines love. God's love is not emotional in nature. It's commandment orientated. Not suggested, commandments, commandments, commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments if you love me. See, we, we will never access wealth. We will never access prosperity. We will never live above this system. We will never live above this world until we learn to love God. Because your love for God is an indicator that you hate mammon. 
That's why God, God brings to us things like tithe, like offering. Those things, brothers and sisters, are not just for the sake of giving. They approve us. They are testers. Love. Love. If you want to live in houses you did not build, drink wine from vineyards you did not plant, eat from plantations you did not plant, you must learn, brothers and sisters. You must learn the way of wisdom. That is to love God. Thou shalt love <coughs> the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. In the New Testament, Jesus put it so beautifully. He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your imagination. To be concerned with what God wants. How many of you have really asked God, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to do? I know you did not think that this would be the foundation of accessing love. 